Hey guys, welcome back to Talking Strongman. Today's guest is Gabriel Pena, just recently back from World's Strongest Man, preferred to be known as Gabe, is that right? Gabe, yeah. How's things, buddy? First World's Strongest Man. World's Strongest Man was a, a dream come true. You know, I mean, we'll get into how it all went down, but just the, the, the whole idea of, you know, guys who initially were my rivals or were my idols turned out to be my rivals this past week. That was a very profound experience. And of course, even just talking to you, you're someone that when I just got my feet wet in the sport, is <laughs> definitely looking towards your success as motivation. So it's, a, it's good to be home. It's good to have that experience done. It's good to be talking to you. Well, it's good to have you on. And yeah, I can, I can sort of remember my first experience at World's Strongest Man. Um, I was in a group with Marius Pajanowski, who was, you know, the best guy at the time. And, and that first contest, you sort of, you know you're good enough to be there. You sort of, you've trained hard and you know you can do all the events, but there, there's a little bit of, it's, it's daunting being next to these sort of legends of the sport, if you like. But, you know, you, you, you proved right away that you deserve to be there. I mean... Your deadlift, that was, I mean, I've, I've actually, I've got to say, as soon as you, your name was, um, and I, I, hand, I hold my hands up high, I didn't know who you were before I saw your name um, pop up at World's Strongest Man. And then a few of the clients that I coach said, oh, this guy's really good, go and check him out. Um, you know, I was watching some of your videos and then you, your performance on the deadlift particularly was phenomenal at World's Strongest Man. Must have been Thank good you. to... I mean, you beat guys. I mean, Luke Richardson is a huge deadlifter to, to beat him and just be one rep behind Jerry Pritchett, who at one time was challenging for that 500 kilo, you know, magical number. It must have yeah, felt pretty yeah. good. It felt great, but uh, deadlift since day one has always been one of my specialties. I love it, and uh, I I definitely know that I felt the sense of belonging at that stage. I, you know, I don't want to. Don't want to speculate too much of the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, but yeah. I, I could have gone head-to-head with Novikov on that max deadlift. I know it. That's a, that's a good height for me, and we would have put on the show. It's, it's a good thing to kind of, you know, have that belief. And it's, it's one of those things. I mean, I've, I, I could look back at so many shows, and, and so many of us can, and say, what, what if? Yeah. The, fact, the fact is, you've been to your first World's Strongest Man. It didn't go how you, you wanted. Obviously, you had to pull out, which is devastating for any athlete. Just Just – quickly just talk us through that i mean you you had a, a decent start in the farmers your, your deadlift was awesome and then there was something up was it your heart rate just wouldn't come down or yeah so let me just give you the the rundown uh the the first day of competition was a very long day you know we were the first heat to get to the competition center we were the last heat to leave and uh on the deadlift by the time we had gotten to that event you know such a high output event max reps in a minute it was very late at night i mean we've been straight strained there all day i mean i'm sure you know how those days goes the tv production side of it really takes a lot longer than we're we're anticipating but by the time i finished that deadlift i uh, i really felt like it took something was up it took a lot longer for me to calm down and to recover uh you know something anytime we do something high output like that sure it takes five minutes to really restore, but it was taking a bit longer this time. I even remember going to dinner with the guys back at the hotel and just saying, man, I still haven't recovered from this deadlift yet. I'm, I'm feeling like my heart is still beating a little faster. So, you know, I did what everyone else would do and get, think a full night's sleep would, would do the trick. But I woke up the next morning, you know, for day two of the competition and I still felt like my heartbeat was irregular. Uh, you know, checking the pulse, the neck, I could feel that some strokes were stronger than others and some felt like a, a weak flutter rather than a strong stroke. So when we got to the convention center for the competition, you know, we, we were still in the midst of a hurricane, so it was indoors at this point. Um, I felt it was my duty as an athlete 
to make sure that the medical staff was aware that's, that I felt something was off. I had no idea I would be pulled out of the competition, but I would be very remiss to have something happen while I was performing and they not have any idea what went wrong. So I went and talked to the medical staff. Um, a first impression, they're like, okay, you probably just have some pre-competition jitters. You know, the heart rate's a little elevated, but they had paramedics on staff there too, which, and they had a mobile uh, electrocardiogram unit with them. They hooked me up to the electrodes and they printed out a graph. And as soon as the, the head doctor there for World's Strongest Man pulls out the graph, he looks at it, I see his, his eyes open up wide like this. I know it's not necessarily a good sign. He tells me he's going to talk to a cardiologist and he comes back, you know, five minutes later, and he just looks me dead in the eyes. He's like, Gabe, you can't compete today. There's just no way you can comp compete today. And uh, he told me my heart was an AFib. There was an electro miscommunication from the, the top valves of the heart to the bottom. Um, the top valves were fluttering. The bottom was still nice and strong. So the concern was, especially with the loading medley that we had that day and the log press that my heats had that day, if the demand on my heart should be too much to where it can't keep up, well, then the, light, the lights go out. And whether or not I've got a big object on my shoulder or above overhead, that can easily be a life or death situation. It's a, so. it's a really tough thing to, to face as an athlete. But I, I do think the fact that World's Strongest Man does focus on looking after the athletes in terms of getting the medicals done, having doctors and medics there on hand. And obviously as hard as it is for an athlete to be told they have to pull out, especially first ever world's strongest man, there's always a next time. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure you were devastated when they said, you know, you know, when uh, he told me the, those words fell like a hammer. I mean, it is like you said, my first world's strongest man, I feel an instant sense of belonging. Like this is the stage where my performance belongs. Yeah. And then to hear those words leave the doctor's mouth, it's just crushing. I mean, I had to, remove myself for a second, take a whole lap around edges of the center that I didn't even know existed and uh, you know, kind of walk it off a little bit. But like you said, for, for the world's strongest man to be equipped with all of the care for the athletes to where, you know, even if I feel that just something is wrong, I have the ability to go and consult with medical professionals. That's invaluable. Yeah. So many guys in this sport, I'm sure, I mean, you can attest to hearing a lot of this too. It's like, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll sell my soul to the devil and we'll just well, leave it all behind. That's, a, yeah. I mean, as athletes, we, we only really, you know, we care about winning. That's what we yeah. or being the best that we can be. And sometimes yeah. we don't care enough about our bodies. And, it, you know, I've criticized the world's strongest man in the past for event selection or I don't like the stop start nature of world's strongest man because that causes a lot of the muscle tears and, and those type of injuries. But the fact they focus on and, and to be fair to them, they've always made sure our hearts are working kind of you know properly I, I i've every time i've gone to world's strongest man i've had to go through medicals before we get there as you would have known this year when you get there you have to have medicals they have a proper doctor on board they have proper um you know physios chiropractors osteos on on um as part of the team and that side of things i think is very good they they usually i, I don't know who the doctor was this year but it's usually quite a nice team that they have that work with the athletes. Yeah, and it's um, not just one doctor, it's multiple too. So, I mean, definitely felt well cared for the entire time, which is invaluable as a competitor, you know? That's good. And obviously the heart is a serious, you know, issue. If it, When we're talking, and like I said, I think things need to improve with the, the structure of the show so we don't have as many muscle tears and, and those type of injuries because there, there was quite a few of those this year as well. Yeah. 
but the heart is very different to a muscle tear. You know, it's um, it's it's, it's, you only get one. And yeah, it goes. You, you don't get you don't get a second chance with that. So, it's it, it is one of the the plus sides to to world's strongest man that they do monitor that side of things when when we're competing. And and I always as an athlete. I always liked to get tested each year um, just to see what my health was like and, and you know, how my heart rate was, blood pressure, um, monitoring your heartbeat, et cetera, just to, to make sure we are physically still fit because what we do is, is a tough sport and you know, we're, we're, we're bigger than the average person, carrying a lot more muscle, some of us, myself, a lot more fat. Um, you know, it's, it's important to, to keep an eye on that health side of things as well. So as, as frustrating as it must have been for yourself, I'm glad you're okay now. I'm glad, you know, everything's kind of back to normal. And you've got that first world's strongest man in the bag. And, and that first one for most of us is a real learning curve. There's been, you know, very few people go, go to worlds. I mean, you know, there'll be people watching saying, Yuka and um, Magnus Ver Magnuson. And yes, they did win on their debut, but it's extremely rare we see anyone winning on their debut yeah. usually i mean you can probably vouch for this yourself and i always say on these shows world strongest man's a very different show to any other show that you do 100 percent. it's you, uh, and throwing that whole tv production aspect into it too that makes it very different than you know i, I know strongman is bigger over in europe than it is in the states currently but we haven't really had any shows where that's there's that much production involved. So like you said, the whole stop start nature, the whole TV time aspect where we start at nine o'clock, but it doesn't actually start until 11, you know, yeah. that, that was tough. It was tough to accommodate to, but we have to be malleable and adaptable in this sport. I, I do wish though that there were things that were a little bit more um, scheduled and more concise in terms of timing and when we would perform. I know, there's a, a lot of frustration there. It's a complaint that we've been having for years. You know, it's um, TV time <laughs> rather than you, you can you can be told. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there this year, so so butt in and, and interrupt me. But I've I've been in the past where you're told you're going to do an event at nine o'clock, for instance, and then it's like okay, we're going to do it half nine, 10 o'clock. And it just keeps getting pushed back. And that's hard as an athlete because you're trying to warm up. You're trying to get yourself ready. And it becomes um, frustrating. It becomes hard to know when to start doing your warm-ups, when to get your body warm. And I actually believe that's the reason there's been – I mean, people kind of talk about my injuries over the years. 90% of my injuries have been at World's Strongest Man. Not so. I mean, I have got injured in one-day shows, but it's much – it's a rarer – occurrence it's right. it's usually been at world's strongest man where it has been that stop start nature where you warm up you get yourself ready and then suddenly you know oh no we've got to send the drone up and you know get these these shots right or whatever the reason you know the rains come down and, and we've got to delay things and yeah it's frustrating as an athlete I, I will say on that subject one of the most frustrating aspects was in terms of the when we had to leave the hotel and get to the the competition center and then when we finally left the competition center to get back to the hotel, they had told us, especially for my heat, for example, we were the first out the door. We had to have breakfast by 5 a.m. We had to leave by 7 a.m. And the show was supposed to start at 9. Um, the show didn't wind up starting until closer to 11. And so we're talking about trying to cram as much sleep as we can into these nights. A lot of us are traveling from different time zones too. So there's that whole other aspect. And I think if they could have had the scheduling a little bit more realistic in terms of when they were actually going to start, that would have saved a lot of stress. And even looking back to my injury, I don't know the exact causes of why my heart went into AFib, but 
without knowing exactly, we have to take this kind of investigative approach. And one of the biggest weak links is, are you getting enough quality sleep? And when we're talking about athletes getting ready for the stop start nature of competition, that's one thing that I think the production staff and the world's strongest man staff could have organized a little bit better. And I hope they do in coming years because messing with so success, the Holy grail, you know? Yeah, I hope so too. And like, like you say, strong men now, are a lot more professional. They take a much more scientific approach to not just training, but nutrition to recovery, all, all the kind of, you know, aspects of, of improving. And I mean, I can tell you 12 years, I've been to world's strongest man, 12 years, it's been the same yeah. <laughs> in terms of, and it's the same complaint every year We're we're all kind of complaining about it, but it's, it's that nature of it's, it's a TV show essentially. Yeah. And that's the frustrating part. When you come, I mean, I appreciate it. it's a great, and it, it is a great TV show when it's on, when it's produced, and we'll watch it at Christmas time, and it looks fabulous. It is the best show to watch. But when you're used to competing week in, week out, like we do, you know, we've done many, many contests, one day shows where it's you get on with it. Even even the one day stadium shows, you know, in the UK, the big shows. We're not stop start there. We we start and we get on with it, and it's it's much safer for the athletes. It's you you know when to warm up properly, you know when you're you're about to go, and then you just get on with the show. It's it's a much better approach yeah. to look after and also get the best out of the athletes. Yeah, and I think you know all the athletes are on the same playing field, but you talk about cumulative injuries at the end of the year. We don't want to see these athletes getting hurt. I don't want to be getting hurt. I want to be able to continue after the show and go straight into training for the next one, you know? So, you know, we can hope and we can complain and gripe and maybe they they will fall on some ears listening sometime, but let's, let's hope so. I mean, it's, it's great that you've got that first world strongest man in the back. Do you think having that experience now would help you going back next year? Oh, absolutely. I feel armed with the experience of this year, you know, prior to World's Strongest Man, thinking to my previous competitions, especially here in the States, I feel like I've built such a strong platform that I go into these shows 100% confident that I'm going to dominate. And that's not sounding arrogant. That's just the time and the experience and the repetition that I feel 100% confident in that. But taking it to the world stage, the 25 top men in the world for that competition that's different. You don't have that certainty or assuredness that you are going to dominate everything. And uh, that was a nice new change of pace for me in terms of reestablishing my mental game, you know, yeah. putting myself in a new environment, a new structure of competition, a much lengthier in terms of days and time spent. Uh, you know, going into this in 2021, that's I mean, I want to be right back there. That's where I belong. Uh, going back into this, I feel even more experienced having this under the belt to where the performance in 2021, regardless if I wouldn't have gotten pulled out in 2020, it will be better. It will be better. Good stuff. So are you back training now or I am. a few days off? I, I had my first, uh, kind of getting the feet wet again training session on Tuesday once I got back. Very easy stuff. Trying to put a lot more emphasis on cardio with the whole uh, having to withdraw from a heart issue thing. But uh, I actually have a a big lifting session planned for tonight. Maybe some deadlifts and squats. So looking forward to that. So what's what's the next plan for you then? Like obviously this year's been all over the place. It was great that World's Strongest Man actually happened. Have you got any immediate goals coming up or is it all about off-season training now towards next year? Uh, well, I am going to enjoy in the, the very immediate future kind of getting back to some of the lifts that I didn't necessarily get to practice much, uh, the things that I really enjoy. But uh, I do have a pro show uh, here in the States 
uh, in Kentucky, the Mammoth Pro in January that I plan on doing. And, uh, you know, the after I know I had heard some rumblings that World Strongest Man is hoping to get back on the old schedule of being around April and May. And should that be the case, I mean, I want to give it everything to get back there. I feel like there's a fresh fire lit under my butt, and I, I really want to, I, I really want to make that statement. I know I can. It's you know? good. How about how about coming over for some of the well, or even I mean, the, we obviously have the North American Championships and stuff like that, but some of the Giants live shows. Would you like? Oh, to- I'd love to. Talking to all the guys over the course of the past week, I feel so inspired to get out and do more international competition. I don't. I actually haven't done a single international show, really? but. Uh, you know, watching how it's so inspiring as an American athlete to see how strongman is massive in your neck of the woods. You know, I would love it's to take part of something. Yeah, I would love to be a part of a stadium show. That's just amazing. They are, without question, the best shows to be a part of. Just having 20, sorry, like 10, 12,000 actual strongman fans i mean it was diff- different for you at worlds this year because there wasn't really any fans right but normally at world's strongest man you just have some local people watching you they're like oh look at these big freaks they they look fun to watch whereas at the arena shows we have paying proper fans that understand the sport they follow what we do on a regular basis a lot of you know a lot of them will lift themselves and it's a real you it's, a, it's an amazing experience you've got to, you've got to make sure if you get the opportunity you come over and I absolutely want to. I hope the rest of this, uh, the next year isn't as much in flux as the past year was because I, I mean, I feel so inspired to get abroad and, and do some big shows over there. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Like, how old are you at the moment? I just turned 30 a few months ago. Okay. So you're older than some of the guys, you know, we've got talk of, um, you know, some incredible youngsters right now. People talk about Luke Richardson, Tom Stoltman, you know, Evan Singleton, um, obviously Novikov. <laughs> He's just, yeah. um, do you feel at 30, you can just be, you can compete against these guys? Oh yeah. I feel like I'm not even close to my prime yet. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because a lot of, I mean, you must get it as well. A lot of the time I get people asking me, am I too old to, to get involved or, or, you know, am I past it? And it's, it's a real stupid question. It's not a stupid question. I, I, I take that back, but it's people think just cause someone's young, it's the be all and end all. But you look at how many successful guys we've had that didn't break into the top level until around the 30, some of them even later, you look at Mr. Drunas didn't win his first world's strongest man until 34. Mark Felix didn't start strongman until 37. Nick Best was getting into strongman in his late 30s. It's, it, yeah. it, it's not all about just being the best 19, 20-year-old. You've got to – I think we all, have, we all have like a certain amount of time in the sport, and it's, it's making sure you keep progressing. It's, it's what I say to so many people. You can be the best 20-year-old in the world, but if you don't get better, it means nothing. You've got to make sure you keep progressing and – I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, you know, another thing, some guys have done, whether it's strongman or strength athletics or other intense athletics, they've been doing it since they were in, you know, in Pampers when they were super young. But uh, I I was a swimmer in high school, but towards the very end of high school, and then I didn't get into rugby until college. So it wasn't until after rugby that I got into strongman. So my time in the sport is still relatively new. But one thing that I always felt to be true was that – the strongman prime wasn't until between 35 and 40. I, I mean, I'm still well, way away from that. And I, I know 
<laughs> the road is still climbing upwards. So, but longevity in the sport is definitely something I've always valued. A lot of the questions that we got leading into World Strongest Man was, oh well, who do you look up to the most, or who who is your favorite strongman competitors? And it's really easy to go through the list of like the super giants, you know, like Shaw and Thor. But I, I called their attention. I'm like, look to the guys who've been doing this well for a long sustained amount of time they don't just burn out quick but they continue to burn bright for years to come and you know guys like nick best mark felix i mean that those are the type of competitors that i aspire to be you know i, I don't and that's probably why i want to talk to the medical staff to make sure i was okay because i don't want to have anything pull me out from a long fruitful career I'm glad to hear it. It is important to enjoy it. Enjoy the, the, the kind of whole road. Enjoy the sport. You'll, you'll know yourself it's a tough sport. You know, I don't, I don't need to tell you that. But sometimes people watching, they, they, they kind of, sometimes they, they want that fame. They want to be sort of at the top level, but they don't enjoy what they do. And I think in a sport like Strongman, you need to enjoy it. You really do. You've got to have fun with it. It, it is. It's hard to explain kind of why you enjoy it. I mean, at the end of the day, all we do is pick stuff up and put it back down and move around with it. But it's, it's just that feeling that it gives you. It's, I, I couldn't, even though I'm, you know, I've retired from World's Strongest Man, but I still train. I, I don't think I'll ever stop training just because it's part of me. It's, it's part of what I do. And I love watching, you know, the new guys. I love watching guys like yourself coming through or all, all the guys. I mean, this year there was a lot of new guys. Yeah. And guys, you know, every single one of those new guys was an excellent athlete. Very hungry too. And they all, just like myself, they all felt that sense of belonging there. Like that's, they're going to fight and claw their way back there too. So I know it's, it's not yeah. as easy as being like, oh, I'm going to be there in 2021. And, and let's no, be honest, not. there's a whole list of guys that weren't there that are awesome athletes as well, yeah. knocking on that door. So for, for all of us, you know, if we're competing, it's tough to just get to World's Strongest Man. It's a, it's a huge achievement. And, you know, I'm sure you're motivated to get back and do even better, but there's going to be guys watching that want to take that place. So you need to kind of keep working hard, keep moving forwards. But anyway, rather than moving forwards, I want you to take me back to, to where it all started for you. You said you were a swimmer in school. When did you get involved in strength? When would the kind of the bug bite, if you like? You know, in high school for swimming, we did strength and conditioning, you know, a little bit of time in the weight room. But it wasn't until I was in college that I started gearing my efforts towards more of like a bodybuilding type training. I wanted to get stronger. I wanted to get bigger. I, I had always looked back to when I was a kid watching World's Strongest Man air on Thanksgiving here in the States with my father and grandfather. And, um, you know, whether or not I knew I, at the time that I could do it, I definitely watched it in a way that I aspired in one way or another to be like these guys. So I got into strength training probably around 20 years old, um, put on a lot of mass, a lot of size. I got into rugby around that time too. After about a year and a half or a year in rugby, I sought out a local strongman to kind of help my strength on the field. Of course, and that's what I said, but you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, I want to do some strongman stuff too. And um, it wasn't long until I got my first competition. I placed first in a local show and I caught the bug. I knew, I knew in that moment that I was 100% capable of taking it to a high level. So that was back in 2013. Okay. 2013. And shortly after that first victory, I had a nice hard lesson in uh, axle clean and press and tore a bicep on a clean there. And, you know, to get that, that lesson done with early was invaluable, but it didn't make it any easier. But that was kind of the, the breaking point between when I branched off of rugby and just went full strongman. At that Quite point. interesting talking to, I mean, you, you, I know you represented Mexico, but you're, you're an American, aren't you? Texas, homeboy. Yes. 
it's interesting to talk to an American, talk about playing rugby. Rather There's than any of us. Yeah. Uh, it's not so big over in the States, is it? No, it's not. It's, it's just one of those things where you'll, you'll find a, a club in a, in a city. And Did you play you know, rugby league or rugby union? What's that? You play rugby league or rugby union? League. Okay. I, I but uh, it was, uh, it, I, I believe it's the equivalent of a semi-pro okay. uh, status here in the States. Yeah. You know, we, we competed uh, in, against different teams across the state of Texas. Never, I never took it to a high enough level to where we went outside of the state. Sure. But it's, it's, it, I know so many great strong men, obviously from this side of the pond, that come from, from rugby backgrounds, myself included. I was a, a rugby player. Um, Terry Hollands was a great rugby player. And there, there's a whole host of like some of the great South Africans from the past were rugby players. So it's not a bad you know, basis to get that strength and, and athleticism as well. Absolutely. And you get a good sense of how the body works together as a symphony of the whole, not just single isolated groups. Mm. And it, I mean, it's so much fun. It was, I, I miss it a lot. I, I bump into the guys at the dive bar every now and then here in town, but you know, strongman has taken me. Yeah. Strongman. I think it's that the individual, like, I love the team side of things, but I think, I don't know how you are, but as an athlete, I, I feel I didn't want other people letting me down and I didn't want to let other people down. I was a better individual athlete because it was all on me then. Yeah, that aspect of having full control of where, the, where your fate goes is, yeah. I, I'm right there with you on that. So 2013, you tore the bicep, was it? 2013, tore the bicep, uh, branched off from rugby. Took roughly about six months to where I could get back into hard training and competing again. Um, 2014, I got back to full-on competing, and I qualified to nationals in 2015, my first, my first nationals appearance. Um, in 2015 for nationals here in the States, I, I placed third in my division. Um, and you know, it was every competition that I had done from that point out was always, um, you have placed highly at this stage, you know, where you belong. I went from there to my first Arnold in 2016, a few months later, and I placed fourth at the Arnold amateur. And there, I went into that day two, I went after day one first place going into the finals and that was you know very reassuring and reaffirming like hey again this is where you belong just keep working hard you're at the top you're going to continue to take it further and further um so over the course of the next uh three years my first arnold was in 2016 where i placed fourth i had a couple of attempts at getting a pro card which i missed by half a point I can and that's not just one time I got probably about five different occurrences where Ooh. it just barely got on my grasp and as painful as they were you know those narrow losses forced a technicality and a sense of precision in my performance that you know I'm armed with today and it's invaluable having undergone that because that makes me a very high caliber competitor who doesn't make these sloppy mistakes that can be costly yeah um in 2019, I competed at the North American National Championships. I won the North American National Championships, and that's where I got my pro card. And um, that took me to the Arnold in 2020 this year. I got third place, narrowly missed it against uh, two Russians, Evgeny Markov and Dmitry Skorsky, I think. Like, forgive me for that name, Dmitry, if you're out there. Um, but that was my, my last show prior to World's Strongest Man. And that was back in March. And since March, I have just built an even stronger and bigger and better platform to where I went into World's Strongest Man knowing I was ready. I had no doubt in my mind that I was ready to go. 
it's, it's amazing, bro. I mean, it's pretty quite. I mean, you say 2013 is when you started, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. To get to World's Strongest Man, and you haven't done any internationals as well. You, you've you've obviously impressed some people along the way. You know, you I, I like to think so. Yeah, I mean, the Arnold's Amateur is an extremely tough contest because. Literally, you have guys like anyone from all over the world. This is it's it's a real good route to get noticed. And like you say, I mean, I, I don't know the two Russian guys that you mentioned, but I know they'll be good. I know how yeah. good some of the you know the Eastern European guys are. I know there's Polish guys that are, are unbelievably good, and it's it's hard to get noticed sometimes. So so to kind of really shine uh, amongst those guys. Normally, if you're top three or winning the Arnold's, you're a pro level athlete without question. You know, and a, and a top pro level athlete it's it's a tough contest to win and how many people usually enter that let's see i, I want to say around 50 54 uh, i think I was, was what a, we had going into this year for the heavyweight division and with it's, the, only the top 10 going to the finals and it's normally 50 good guys as well isn't it it's not yeah. you know guys just making up numbers because obviously you've got to you know fund your own way there it's 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 not cheap and um it's it's such a unique opportunity to get noticed and get that opportunity obviously if, i think if you win you get to go to the arnold's the following year anyway don't right. you? first place goes to the classic yeah that's um a big incentive no that's probably one of the biggest yeah you can almost go from amateur to well mike jenkins did that didn't he i don't know if yeah. you remember mike he yeah. he won the yeah. amateur arnold's went on to to compete in the, the the main arnold's and then a year after that he won it it's um uh, it's an amazing opportunity and it's it's good to see new talent coming through. I've been thoroughly impressed with your, your performances. I really enjoyed your your vlogs that you're doing at World's Strongest Man. I think that's excellent. That you, it's it's something that strong men need to do now because the fan base is growing. We exactly, need... and that that put me in touch with a lot of fans who I didn't even know were keeping an eye on me. And especially during this weird year, to have that inclusion in a sport or in, in an event where there's no spectators allowed to, that was just one extra way to, you know, kind of collectively bring in the fans to the whole experience. And I got a lot of positive feedback from that. So I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with those. Yeah, keep doing them because they, they, they will bring, you know, new fans to yourself. And although like you say, there was no fans actually there watching. When this all goes on TV and suddenly people know who you are, it's going to bring you opportunities. And, you know, you look at guys like Evan who try to be memorable. It's, if, you, if we don't all need to go down the, the WWE route, it works, works for him. But just being yourself, being approachable, you know, and showing people what you do, it's, it's, it's great to see. Because I, I used to struggle with this. I used to think, oh, I'm just a competitor. I just got to go there and lift. But people are fascinated by what we do. And it's, it's nice to see that the sport actually has that interest now. Yeah. It's nice to be able to uh, tell that these, are, these athletes are people you can communicate with too. You know, they're not just, you know, big ogres who go lift stone. <laughs> yeah, like, they, can, they can actually they hold a conversation and things like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not just a meathead, no? No, not just a meathead. <laughs> well, you've got way too much hair for that. I mean, I'm, I'm jealous. How much? That's ridiculous. You're jealous? Yeah. Far too jealous. I'm jealous of your beard, so there you go. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So next year, the goal is get back to Worlds. Um, you've got a competition, do you say January? Yeah, January here in the States. And then uh, you hope, hoping everything opens up abroad, that I would really want to, I want to make it a point to do some international shows. I'm sure the wife would like to travel abroad too with me, so... I That'd bet. Be fun. So, have you got any? You got any um, like training partners? I know. Um, uh, what's oh, 
my mind's gone blank. Um, Trey Mitchell, he's in Texas as well, isn't he? Do you guys Trey manage Mitchell's to train in Texas? at all? Yeah, he's like a brother to me. We both started out uh, competing right around the same time. Uh, but the thing about Texas is it's very big. It's huge. So he, he's, he's still about eight hours northeast of me. And, uh, you know, if we, if we can ever get a point to get together and train, that's something I would love to do. But uh, in my neck of the woods, I'm in the very southern tip of Texas. You know, I, I get a stone's throw away from Mexico. Um, there's not very many heavyweights down here. But I will say in the, you know, aside from my – at career as an athlete, I also am an active promoter of strongman here in the region. I work with Strongman Corporation and I'm one of their state chairs and we put on competitions. We have grown a lot of the strongman base here in South Texas. And there's a lot of strong folks here who necessarily wouldn't have known that there was an outlet like this, which now they do. So I'm hoping to be grooming some of my future training partners in the meantime. But I do have one buddy of mine, uh, shout out to my friend, Matthew Barba. He's in Brownsville about an hour away from me. He does make it a point to come up and train with me. He was helping me get ready for Worlds and America's Strongest Man when I was training for that. So it is invaluable to have another heavyweight around to push. You know, um, we, I'm sure we can get by with training with our middleweight and lightweight friends, but it, it really helps to have that. that it's always bronze. nice when you can sort of meet up. I mean, it's, it's, although the UK is not a huge country, we seem to be kind of, the, the, the best athletes seem to be quite scattered around the country. So you, you'd end up traveling like three or four hours, five hours sometimes to go and try and train with some of the other the top guys. But it definitely helps to have some good training partners around. Yeah, but even a three to five hour trip, that is so worth it, even for like maybe once or a few times a month because sure. – you, you have the monotony and just training by yourself and you need to really toggle into that competitive fire to get ready for these events because that's, that's the best way to prepare on all fronts. Are you finding the popularity is growing in the States at the moment? I think it is. I think it is. And I think a lot of companies like rogue here in the States are doing big things for strongmen too. Yeah. Uh, I got asked questions before, like, do you ever foresee strongman being as big in the States as it is in Europe? And I think it will. I think it will. But something that needs to happen is it needs to be somehow brought into the realm of television more. You know, that's one thing that we are falling behind here. But I'm optimistic within the next five to ten years that it can really take off to stadium shows. That's that would, that would be so great, man. I, I hope so. I mean, I'd love to see that, especially obviously we have them in the UK. I think the, the luxury we have over here is we have a lot of people in a small space. The country is not big. We have a lot of people still, whereas you guys are spread throughout the, the States. It's a much bigger area and it's harder, I guess, then for fans to, to just come to various different shows. Whereas it's in the UK, you're looking at probably six to eight hours is the longest anyone's going to have to travel for, for a lot of these shows. Whereas you guys, <laughs> you're going to have to be getting flights and or, or 20 to 30 hour journeys. And um, well, I, There is very obviously a never growing fan base here. And that's something that's exciting because we are seeing from year to year the rewards, the care taken to athletes, the sponsorships, those are all just moving on up. So I'm, I'm very optimistic that we are right on track. I hope so. I really do. I just want to, I, I, I'm someone that just wants to see this sport grow and grow and grow. And I, I know you do as well. You, you, you're doing a lot to promote it locally. And I think we just need to, to keep doing what we're doing. I don't have all the answers I wish I did, but I'm going to keep trying. Make sure you keep promoting yourself, keep promoting the sport. I'm looking forward to, to seeing where you go now. And like I said, you know, I hadn't heard of you beforehand, but I'm certainly going to be keeping an eye on you now. 
And um, I wish you all the best in the future, Gabe. Thank you very much, Lars. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Just before I let you go, tell everyone where they can find you. Y'all can find me on Instagram at Texas Titan Gabe. You can also find me on Facebook at Gabe Rapena. Uh, I'll be working on getting my YouTube up and running, so you can find me there, Gabe Rapena on YouTube. But give me a shout out on Instagram, Texas Titan Gabe. I'm most active there. Awesome. We will put a link for, for Gabe's Instagram in the description below. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this chat. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the channel, and we'll be back with more strength and action soon. Take it easy.